0: happy new year
1: yeah happy new year right how are you i'm well
0: should we give ag1 some love
1: yeah um you know what ag1 the cool thing about ag1 is my entire family is on the program now me too and i've also started putting my ag1 in the refrigerator the powder
0: i didn't I didn't know that you were supposed to do that until my mom got on the AG1 program. And then she told me, and I'm like, I had no idea. She goes, yeah, you should read the directions.
1: I know that's exactly what happened with me. My wife's like, you know, it's supposed to be refrigerated. So now she's got it in the refrigerator.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, In my mind, it works just the same as it was when it wasn't refrigerated, but Here's the deal. AG1 is Athletic Greens. Athleticgreens.com surf is our portal for our listeners to support us. And the reason that they should support us is that they can arm their immune system with convenient daily nutrition, um, especially kind of in the wintertime, cold and flu season. But in light of New Year's resolutions as well, everybody's looking to stay healthy. And this is just the easiest, quickest way to do it.
1: Totally agree. AG1 is a big part of my daily routine. And uh, I'm a huge fan. I can't recommend it enough. I mean, um, the upside's awesome. There is no downside. And for a guy like me, he's kind of on the go. I don't necessarily eat as well as I'd like to yeah. um, and say that I do. Uh, AG1. It feels like when I drink AG1, it's like, there's no more guilt about totally. all, the bur- all the burritos I'm eating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and A lot of people add supplements to their diet. And this is just kind of a one-stop shop. You can get rid of all those expensive supplements, get this done in one scoop a day. It's whole food sourced ingredients pulverized into a powder. So, uh, but it then has vitamins, minerals, all that stuff added to it by using our promo code, which is slash surf athleticgreens.com slash surf. You get a year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and then five free travel packs. So, do it to support us. Do it to support your own health. Athleticgreens.com slash surf.
2: As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry. This thing holding open, it spits. Oh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes
3: out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit,
1: spit, spit. We're just spit balling, right? Yeah,
3: I got it.
1: Yeah, guy! Yeah, friggin' guy. Uh, David, good morning. It is SPIT. It's the SPIT podcast, David. We took a week off. Thank you for doing that. And um, let's see, it's January 5th. January 5th, 2022. Oh my, how the time flies, my friend. How long have you and I been doing this podcast?
0: Since 2014, I believe. It could have been 13, but I want to say it's 14. I'm going to look it up while we're talking. So we just, this is our first show of 2022. So that would be eight years.
1: Wow. All right. Crazy, right? Yeah. And Um, um, yeah. So first
0: show of 2022. Welcome. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas. Last time I saw you was just before um, Christmas. So yeah. How was how was your Christmas? How was your New Year's?
1: It was great. The Christmas was great. The New Year's was great. I went to Florida last week, which is oh, why okay. I wasn't around. And um, chasing waves. No, I almost <laughs> went to Puerto Rico, but I was there visiting some family, and um, and it was good. The last day, somebody in our inner circle got COVID, so we we packed them. I was supposed to be at Surf Expo right now, but oh um, yeah. I because I was around somebody that was positive. I didn't want to do the wrong thing and and go to a trade show potentially. You know, with you know, you just never know. And so, I backed out of that here and um, here I am in Southern California. And it's great to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, welcome home. Um, Do you have any New Year's resolutions, or do you do
1: that? Um. You know, I, I don't necessarily do New Year's resolutions, but, um, you know, I wake up every morning, I go through sort of a routine, you know, and I just hope to continue that, you know, like so I kind of get in the right mind frame for the day. Um, you know, because it's easy for, for Scott to be all about Scott. Believe me, that's the default setting. And so I try to set up a situation where, um, you know, I you know, I, I get into the day in a, in a more positive flow. And, um, yeah, so that's not necessarily a new year's resolution, but it is something that I've been doing for a long time and that I hope to continue to do through this year.
0: Um, I feel like the older we get, the longer we do this show, the more food and diet become a part (laughs) of our conversation. It's usually gluttonously discussing what we're cooking that night or baking. Um, do you have any dietary New Year's resolutions? Do you want to lose weight or anything like that?
1: No, I don't necessarily need to lose weight. I mean, I might be, you know, three or four pounds here or there, okay. um, but I, I'm okay with that. And I do anticipate baking more bread. I did get this bread book who I'm not sure who sent it to me, but I got a bread book. And so I'm going to be baking more bread. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um, so
0: was it Shuken that sent that? Did we no, ever you, get to the bottom of
1: it? I don't think it was because Shukan sent me this book. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. I had it all the time, which is really a cool, fascinating book, and it's, so it's written by this guy Alan Cohen, and Shukan had this book signed to Holy me cow. from Alan Cohen. Amazing! Isn't that cool of Shukan to do that? And um, I just you know read the first couple pages this morning. And it's really cool. There's an interesting here. I'll give you a quick anecdote from the yeah. book, if you don't mind. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So there's this, uh, you know, candid camera type of show. And and they film this FedEx employee, a delivery guy. And um, they take a picture of him. And they get all these actors, like they often do in these shows. They get all these actors to dress up sort of like um, followers of a religious sect. You know, like kind of like Swami Paramahansa. Swami Yogananda Paramahansa, like Swami's here, like there's this building that they dress up as this, you know, cultural building. That's all about this sort of spiritual sector. Um, and, and they take a picture of the FedEx guy and they paint this incredible mural and they have it as the center of this cultural sect in this building. And the FedEx guy drives up and he drops off the package and these actors all come up dressed up like these swamis, these monks or whatever. And they're like, oh, the deity is here. Oh, my. Come in. You must come in. And he's like FedEx guy's like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> candid camera. He doesn't know. Right. And he comes in and they unveil this gorgeous painting of him. And he's like, wow, that's that's me. You know, and they're like, yes, you're our deity. Please come sit on the pillow and tell me what you know. You know, and the FedEx guy's like, OK. You know, and he sits on the pillow and he's and he says, he says, life is like a river. Sometimes the river has, uh, you know, is flowing freely and fast and it's easy. And sometimes the river has rocks and stones and it's shallow and it's dangerous. But eventually the river spills into the ocean of your dreams. This is what the FedEx guy says. And the monks, the actors, and the monk guys are all like, you know, they're like on bated breath on every word that the guy's saying. And he gets up and he leaves and he's got to go do more deliveries. And they do this to like five or six FedEx employees, delivery guys. And they're just random dudes that are like probably watching fantasy football and just whatever, you know. But when they sit on this pillow, when they realize that they're a deity, they actually come up with these amazing concepts. These They come up with these great phrases, these great sort of life quotes, if you will. And the fascinating thing about that anecdote is that what he's saying in this book, at least the first part, is that. Deep down within all of us, we have the answers to serenity. We just don't ever look within. We're always like looking out for all the answers when the answers are within. Thus, the title, I had it all the time.
0: Fascinating.
1: Kind of a cool anecdote.
0: It is. And I think I was trying to assess why you don't know that you have it all the time, like that FedEx driver. And it's probably just... Um, you layer on so much bull crap every day. You know, that FedEx driver's thinking about the bills he has to pay and his next delivery and the traffic and how to navigate around the traffic and all that stupid stuff. And it's like, the serenity is within. You're just layering on bull crap.
1: Yeah, right. We're, you know, it's the sort of that cliche, that, you know, the, the past is history, the future's a mystery, and today's the present. And, you know, let's basically it's about kind of staying focused on right now. By the way, Did you see this movie? Don't look up. Yeah, I did. Oh my God. What a great movie that was. That was so much fun.
0: It's so crazy. Um, I'm a lot of listeners probably are aware of it, but it's made by Adam McKay and, uh, he did the big short, um, a couple of years ago and it stars everybody, right? Meryl Streep, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill many many more famous a-listers but it's satire and it's about our culture and our politics and there's a meteor headed towards earth and the scientists identify it will blow up earth with complete certainty we're all going to die in six months so they try to release this information nobody wants to hear the information they don't believe the science uh they take it straight to the white house talk to the president about it the president's like no, it's going to hurt my campaign, not interested, don't want to hear it until the president gets in hot water with something else and then wants to leverage this information to use it to bolster her campaign. Then the tech giant wants to monetize the media and everybody's ignoring what is the inevitable because it's it's an inconvenient truth. But what's funny, again, I said it's satire. It actually is downplaying the reality that we live in now, which is why the film is so brilliant. So every scene that develops, you go, oh, this is just farcical. This is too crazy. That president is too crazy. That's like a lampoon of a president. And then you go, no, actually, they're playing it down. Every scenario that they set up, as farcical as it looks, is actually less farcical than the reality that we've lived in in recent years. And that's what the genius is in the movie.
1: Yeah, it's a great film, and uh, everybody should watch it. It's fascinating. I, I loved it. Now, I also saw another film that I'd like to touch on, if I may. I guess it'll be my must-see moment. And it's a Jacques Cousteau documentary on Disney+. Plus that just came out. I don't know if you've seen this. I, I think it's called Becoming Cousteau, okay. something like that. But it's basically a lifelong look at Cousteau. And, you know, you think you know, at least I thought I knew about Jacques Cousteau. Sorry, my dog's barking. Are you picking that up?
0: Barely. It's fine.
1: And, um, you know, like I said, I, you know, I sure I know about Jacques Cousteau, the Calypso. You know, that's kind of all I knew, though, really, you know. And so this documentary was a fascinating deep dive on who he was, where he came from, how he got to be who he is, what he's all about now. Um, of course, he's passed away, but, um, and there's some really fascinating stuff in this movie. And it's very inspiring from, uh, um, from a Save the Oceans point of view. And, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not about saving the ocean, you know, I would I would question you must be here for the sourdough recipes because, who knows <laughs> what, you know, the ocean is so vital to our peace of mind and our serenity and, and our everything, you know, like it's so anyway, I would highly recommend that that you watch the Cousteau documentary, almost as homework more than anything. You need to know about this guy and some of the fascinating things that he's done and created. Interestingly, when I grew up,
0: it was just pre-internet, basically, like going through school. We had to go to the library to research projects or whatever. And Jacques Cousteau's books were the um, kind of a priority item in the library. You know, everything else was boring. And then you get to his stuff and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is interesting. And I feel he's fallen out of popularity, like as libraries are less important. I don't know that all the kids growing up now know his name in the way that my generation did.
1: You're right. And, you know, I mean, you and I were from a generation where the, I think it was called the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. This was a series on, I think, ABC TV that went out to the world. Like, I mean, in the seventies and probably into the eighties, for sure in the seventies, it was like, you know 500 million people watched this documentary this series of documentaries he put in an hour-long show for I want to say five or six years um, apparently as you'll find in the movie he started to get really dark because he oh, was really? like we're fucking up man we're this is going wrong you know and um, that's when ABC's like you know what it's kind of like don't look up yeah because he's like ABC's like you know what you're kind of going too dark and too cynical. We want kind of the happy Jacques, you know? <laughs> and he's like, dude, the earth's going downhill quick. Yeah, and fascinating. So they, they snipped the show when he started to, when the reality of the whole thing started to hit. It's it's interesting. It's very, very interesting.
0: Speaking of satire or spoof, um, yes. did you ever see um, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou?
1: No. I didn't.
0: It's really good. It's kind of a send up of Jack Cousteau. It's not based on him at all, but that character is kind of modeled after him.
1: Yeah. Um, um, Bill good. Murray.
0: Yeah. Well, great recommendation. Glad to see you've been using your time off uh, to catch up on that stuff.
1: Okay. Here's another thing. And I, I mean, we're just real quick, want to say this. I just finished this book. Can you read what it says here? I can't say
0: nothing. A true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland.
1: Yeah, so I just finished this book. Wow, what a great book on the troubles and what happened in Belfast in the 60s and 70s and actually all the way through to right now. Wow. That's fascinating. Cool. Great read. Because I was, again, I'm one of these guys that I know like just enough topical information to go, oh yeah, I know about that. But yeah. I really don't know shit. Yeah. You know, I'd never done a deep dive on Ireland. Like if I asked you, do you know yeah. anything about the troubles in Northern Ireland? Do you know anything about it? Nope. Like the Protestants, the Catholics, who was on whose side, any of that. Nope. I didn't either. And, uh, and I've got a lot of Irish friends and, and I bet on some level you probably do too, or some Irish in your, in your blood. And of course, you know, the Irish in Boston, it's a big deal. So if you're at all interested, that's a great read right there. Stay and then, again. Say nothing, a true story of Murder and Memory in Northern Ireland. This is a New York Times bestseller. Who's the author? The, the author is Patrick Radin Keith. Got it. Super good book. And then again, Shukin just got me this. I had it all the time by Alan Cohn. All right. And I ordered this. Genghis Khan. Uh, Genghis. Let's pronounce it correctly. Right. Genghis, right. Genghis Khan, right.
0: Uh, by Jack Weatherford. And that interest, I would su- uh, guess, was spurred by Dan Carlin's
1: Hardcore History. Yes, and I also was. I did I send you a book? Yeah. Okay, so that book written by Holiday, I think it is Ryan Holiday. So, so he sends out a newsletter, and this and his annual you know news New Year's newsletter was you know these are the books that I'm suggesting that you read, and so this was one of the books.
0: Yeah. The cool. Genghis
1: Khan book. So and then I also got this one, which was on his list by the same guy, Weatherford. for Indian givers, how Native Americans transformed the world. So I got these three books to now get into. And you know what? It's the New Year's, a New Year's show without a book recommendation. Come on, uh, man. Good use of your time, Scott.
0: Glad to see that you've been productive. Um, in surf news, Hawaii has been going absolutely
1: off. I just got a text from Randy Rarick about three minutes before we went on the air. He says sunset is nuts all time, super good pumping, and I'm going to go take a peek at it while we talk here uh, on Surfline stuff. So, yeah. Well,
0: so a couple of things. Obviously, one way to track everything is the Vans Digital Triple Crown because they're um, that's kind of a way to catch a bunch of highlights. Stab is also doing a series called the pickup it's a weekly show it's about a 30 minute show it's available on youtube or on their website and they're doing a fantastic job they did this last year maybe the year before i think this year is the best iteration of it they have multiple different um commentators or pundits that they're pitching to they do a recap of the week they do an interview with somebody important uh jack reeves a laminator last week this week was uh, lifeguard talking about CPR techniques. They'll profile somebody's quiver, what boards they bring to Hawaii for which different waves. Uh, and then they show highlights of the different surf breaks and who got the best waves of the week. So this is a great way to keep track of what's going on. In addition to Instagram, of course, being kind of up to the minute, a couple of highlights or important things that I think are worth discussing. The first direct flight from Australia landed in Hawaii in two years
1: wow that is interesting
0: yeah so that'll bring obviously um i mean there's covid concerns all that sort of stuff but more to kind of your and interest for surfing it brings a lot of australian surfing uh, surfers to hawaii that had not been there previously which will affect of course uh event number one of the ct for 2022 the pipe masters you want to get there and prepare for that yeah and that's
1: kicks off i want to say um is that in february the first event it,
0: it is the backdoor shootout though waiting period started two days ago so january 4th through the 16th
1: oh well maybe they're having the backdoor shootout today
0: i don't know because
1: yeah. it's i'm looking at it here um, Lonnie Kea is really good um and i'll go check out pipe but cool yeah it's pumping it, there's you know we had this incredible blob of high pressure just off Oregon and Washington and Northern California and sort of below the Aleutian islands. And this high pressure was just keeping everything away as far as storm development. It was pushing all storms way North or just, yeah, way North, you know, up into Canada. And so we've had this quite frankly, and you and I spoke about it, I think two weeks ago, but it's been a horrible winter for at least for Southern California. Um, And, I would suggest to you that that does sound quite cliche because it seems like I say it every year, oh, it's been, but it's been really, really bad. Like as far as swell production, like it's been small and cold and crappy. And um, luckily that high pressure has broken down and we do have some storms that are moving into our swell window. And we might start to see an uptick in, in surf here in California, specifically from uh, Point Conception down where you know, most of us live.
0: Yeah. Um, as it relates to Hawaii and the Hawaii season, I've got a question for you. Mm. Where the heck are Idolo and Gabe? Uh, I've tracked them. They're not in Hawaii. Should they be in Hawaii right now?
1: Well, I'm sure they have a pretty good handle on, you know, when they need to be there and how quickly they can get into sort of Hawaii shape for lack of a better phrase. Um, You know, it's funny, those guys, although they do have to surf sunset after pipe. So, I mean, because to me, it's like you can get used. Those two guys are such stud athlete surfers, professionals, that I think that they can for sure. I know Gabe can can get to Hawaii a week before and sort of get his bearings about him with with, I would say, four or five or six surfs at pipe. Now that's assuming that when they get there, there's waves to be ridden at pipe. Sometimes it goes bad for a week or whatever. So, um, and again, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they need a little bit more time. Um, Let's say they get there at January 20th. They've got basically two and a half, three weeks before the first event at pipe that gives them time to kind of go back and forth between sunset and pipe, get their bearings. Those guys for sure. Gabe, I think Gabe can land you know, a week out and be fine. Hmm. Now Gabe necessarily, I don't consider Gabe a super strong sunset beach surfer, but I'm sure he's had results. I just can't think of them.
0: I remember one crazy floater that he did there in the QS event two or three years ago. That was the one highlight that was just like, Oh my gosh, nobody would have even gone for that move.
1: And he stomped it. it. You know, the beauty of, of sunset is that it doesn't matter if you spend, you know, six weeks there surfing sunset only, it's such a wild card wave that uh, each and every session it's kind of got its own little fickle um, attitudes and moods. And so again, the beauty of it is that you can think you're prepared for sunset, but if, when you wake up all of a sudden it's, you know, eight foot North swell sunset versus eight to 12 foot West peak sunset, you know, it just changes all the time. So it is a wild card. And again, I think that's part of the beauty of it. And that's why many guys don't like it like Kelly Slater. I mean, he's actively said, it's not a wave i like to see on tour because there's too much other stuff that happens that occurs to the competitors rather than just a blank canvas, a way for me to rip and shred on every time that I really know by like the back of my hand, you know,
0: which is why you and I
1: love it. Exactly. Which is why it's great for competitors. And, and it's fun be- I mean for fans, but but it's also fun because like you know, in a weird way, who's the guy I'm thinking of? There's a guy, a regular foot that did, always did really good, won the triple crown one year, a Hawaiian guy. Um anyway, his name's Oh, skips. I know. Um uh it starts with an m Yeah, it starts with an M, exactly. Miles Padaka. Yeah, Miles Padaka. A great example of a guy who knows sunset and did well out there. And, and as fans, it's kind of fun to go, Oh cool. Poncho's 43 and he's in the sunset event and he can win it. No problem. In fact, yeah. Michael Ho a great example of a guy who's done really well there late in his, you know, as he got older. And, um, and that's why I love sunset. And, and again, you know, you and I also have spoke about, look, I want the judges to make sure that they're judging big, you know, the guys that are surfing outside, you know, the big, the big West, the big West yeah. sats rather than everyone sitting on the inside bowl and just trying to get the hook.
0: Slater's argument for we want a wave where we can kind of showcase our dominion over our surfboard is relevant. And that's why we have all these other waves on tour, you know, or we've had lowers in the past, or certainly Surf Ranch allows you to kind of do that gymnastics. Um, but we also need man versus nature. And I think that should always be man and woman versus nature. And so I think that should always actually be the priority. And so that's sunsets relevance to the world tour. And I'm thrilled to see it back. Um, Your argument for Gabe and Idolo not needing to be there for a month or two. I didn't.
1: I don't know about Idolo. I I think Gabe for sure. Italo is the one where I'm like, maybe he does need to be there.
0: I didn't agree with it prior to you saying it. Like my thought was just get there. You guys are in the prime of your career, focus 10 years on winning world titles and just be in Hawaii. You can't have enough experience in Hawaii ultimately. And, but then when you made that argument, I think you're pretty much right. Um, For, certainly for Gabe, it could be, the argument could also be applied to Idolo, but you know who it doesn't apply to at all is Felipe Toledo. And Felipe is the guy who's behind those guys a little bit. He's also behind John John a little bit. He's kind of barely in that top five conversation because you could substitute him out with Kanoe Garashi, uh, uh, Jordy Smith, Kaloe Andino, maybe Griffin Colapinto even. And all those guys are, betting, are spending time in Hawaii and really investing there. And so I think Felipe would do really well. And he's also got the question mark next to his name when it comes to big waves in general. You know,
1: yeah, every year it's kind of like we, we speak the, the same sort of um, I guess we give the same sort of advice regarding Felipe. Uh, not that we're in a position to give advice to him. He, he knows what he's doing. But, um, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I think Felipe's time's gone and gone. I hate to say it. It's kind of like Julian when you're like, yeah, one more. Every, you know, every year this could be Julian's year. And I feel like last year was Felipe's year. Like, dude, the finals are at lowers. I know. Come on. Well, you know, like you couldn't ask for a better chance to win a world title than like, all you got to do is win it lowers, do some of that stuff.
0: He, if he doesn't reinvent himself, then you're right. His time has come and gone. His time came. And all of that kind of um, momentum that he had from his youth and natural talent that he was born with all of that expressed itself, but you need to then reinvent yourself. And we've seen John, John go through this. We've seen Gabriel go through this. Uh, Kelly's done it multiple times. Andy Irons had to do this. It's Felipe's time. And so investing in Hawaii, uh, investing in big waves, all that stuff would be his way to do it. Now, I don't know if we're going to talk about it today, but Stab Magazine is doing their, um, most are their surfers of the year is what they call it. And they basically ask uh, people in the surf space a lot of professional surfers, but also writers, photographers, filmmakers, whatever, um, who their favorite surfers of the years are of the year are, and they assign points to each person. And then at, they tabulate all the points. And at the end of the thing, they say, this was the number one surfer of the year, and number two, and number three, and number four, or whatever. I was surprised how little Felipe's on that list. So he was on there last year, and he was on there more the year before. And so you kind of look at those, that matrix, and then also the ranking competitively, and you go, dude. If you're not staying in that top five and actually being dominant in that top five, and now you're falling out of this other calculus as well, then you need to re re-examine what's going on.
1: Yeah, great point. You know, um, I, I find myself, you know, shaking my head, going, "Really? Am I discounting Felipe Toledo right now?" You know, and no, you're not. I know. I it's
0: there's I, it's reality because there's too much. Griffin Colapinto is right there with him. Koloe Andino is right there with him. And in addition, those guys are, well, Griffin doing daily, certainly weekly, but even daily kind of edits to maintain his fan base. And Koloe doing a feature film and getting out there and mixing it up with people. So they're remaining relevant. Felipe, on the other hand, I feel like he's focused on family right now, which is fine, you know, it's a decision.
1: Yeah, it it it's it, it just reminds me of kind of like Jordy about four years ago or Julian yeah. two years ago where you're like, I hate to say it, but I'm not putting any money on those guys, you know? Right,
0: right. So yeah. um before we get into that stab thing or whatever else, what do you, do you have any um, potential eddy for swells in the forecast? Because Hawaii is going off the eddy. They said they're going to, green light it or they're you know certainly um they did the opening ceremony and they're potentially going to run this year so where is the swell well let me take a
1: quick peek but um you know what i was thinking is that um you remember how derek used to derek Hind used to do this like top 44 year in review power rankings a power rankings thing yeah and he would and he would do this up or down thing oh which, yeah, is, yeah. Like, which is what i think. St- if not stab, we should consider like throwing some of this out there. Like, because we just said Felipe's in our opinion, Felipe's either staying level or going down, Yeah, you know? And so it's like, who is on the rise and who's staying level and who's going down. So when I look at this stab surf of the year thing, that's kind of what I think now, of course, we could do that specifically to competitive surfers on the CT. Um, but uh, stab of course is kind of doing it from a cultural perspective. Like everyone, you know, whoever's got the most, um, you know, cultural mojo i.e. edits on social media getting a lot of attention you know sort of like the mason hoes of the world
0: yeah mason's actually number four on the list so and they're interviewing everybody from kelly slater to um uh betty lou sakura johnson you know upcoming rookie so
1: how are they doing this exactly like so can you i know you just kind of walked me through it and i'm reading it right here yeah they just they
0: ask each person Jane Reynolds, Ryan Miller, Morgan Moss, and all these influencers are, you know, surf uh, luminaries. Who are your five favorite surfers? Male, who are your five favorite females? What's your favorite edit of the year? And what's your favorite surf film of the year? And they assign a point value, you know, number one gets five points, number two gets four points or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, then it, yeah. and so at the end, they tabulate it and they tabulate it along the way. So right now we have a running total, uh, currently John John Florence is rated first, Idolo's second, Gabriel's third, Mason's fourth, Kaloe's fifth. Interestingly, Benji Brand, sponsorless Benji Brand, is number six because of I think his amazing section and snapped four. And then Tom Curran, very interestingly, is rated seventh, probably because of free scrubber. Um
1: so and then on the yeah, on the
0: women's side, it's Carissa Steph. Katie Summers, interestingly, and then Betty Lou Sakura johnson is fourth.
1: So I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm checking out Dane Reynolds' picks, right? What sticks out to you about Dane's picks for Surfer of the Year? He Man. picks his friends. Okay, that's interesting, yeah. He, he's got Elo as number one.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. But other than that, I feel like he picks his friends. I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing.
1: You know what sticks out to me is – there's no John John in his top five. That is interesting, right? Like, yeah, you're telling me. Who, John so John who Florence are his top five? Edlo, Jack Robinson, Craig Anderson, friend, friend yeah. alert. Uh, Mikey February, friend alert, because it's Channel Islands, probably. There's and alert. Vans, and Vans, and then Adam Verz. His buddy. That's his buddy. I mean, a, a really a great surfer from Ventura, but
3: okay.
0: Yeah, and so that's the thing that Stab's objective here is to see who the best surfers of the year are and nobody could make the argument that Adam Veers is on the top of the list of best surfers of the year. I would argue there's no evidence to argue that, uh, Craig Anderson is on that list either, you know, other than their best friends they co-own a brand together. And so let's go ahead and give him as much hype as you can, but that's fine. People pick their friends, you know, there's no rules in this. So yeah, they're allowed yeah. to, but it's not exactly,
1: um, now, is there a objective. list of who gets to send in their top five surfers of the year, male and female?
0: No, they don't uh, advertise that list in advance. You just kind of see it revealed as they go through the series. So we've
1: seen um, Dane Reynolds, right? But I haven't seen, let's see if there's day one here that I'm missing. So, okay, so it's they got be, Mick Fanning.
0: It's going to be tough to kind of sift through, find the articles. They're doing them every few days. So you'd have to kind of go back. But I'll yeah. tell you what's interesting out of, or what I thought was interesting. Kelly Slater's name is barely mentioned as people's favorite surfer or surfer of the year. Kyle Lenny's name is barely mentioned.
1: That's bullshit.
0: Both of them appear on a few people's lists, but nobody's, num- they're not number one for anybody's list. They're like number four, or number five, and they haven't accumulated enough points to even come into the top 10.
1: So Mick Fanning, You know, it's weird. Like, so I look at it and I'm like, okay, where's the subjectivity? Where's the bias here?
0: Nick picks sponsors. Yeah. I noticed it's like Rip Curl. It's a bunch of Rip Curl
1: people, you know? And so it's like, does he get this? And does he reach out to the guys at Rip Curl and go, hey, Dylan, Neil, any suggestions how I should do this? You know, here's kind of who I think, but should I keep it within the family, so to speak? You know, because he picked Gabe Medina. Okay, Garen, I agree with that. Morgan Sibylik.
0: Yeah, they're both Rip Curl guys.
1: Idolo Ferrer.
0: So that's not, but Adelo's obviously is obviously
1: one of Allen. the best surfers Golden in the world. Atlas. Yeah. Owen Wright. Yeah. Rip Curl. Yeah. Baron Mamiya? I think that's a legit call. Yeah, he's talking about the snapped four performance. And, you know, part of it, too, is they're, like you just said, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm not trying to say that, you know, they can't say whoever they want. I'm just looking at it i'm trying to i'm trying to read between the lines
0: yeah bit, um it is what it is but yeah. it's a fun exercise and i think that could be a completely earnest response from mick because we're all influenced uh none of us would give an objective answer in who we thought the best oh, sure. was because we're for influenced sure. by our friends and who we see surfing at the beach regularly you know all that kind of stuff
1: oh for mick's,
0: sure mick's been on a bunch of trips with those guys that are from rip curl so
1: they're friends uh, Yeah, it's a cool thing. I mean, once again, Stab sort of owns the surf editorial space, in my opinion. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I killing it. Yeah, they kind of are. Well, and then what's weird about that is they're uh, not weird, but what's interesting about that is that, you know, it's got an Australian lean a little bit. Would you agree with that or no?
0: It started that way and it's wavered at times, but. Yeah, I'd say it still leans that way a little bit. Which is
1: okay, by the way. I mean, when you think about their engagement with surfing, it's through the roof. So Yeah.
0: Um, I think one thing that I take from this series is if you aren't completely dominating in competition, if you want to be a professional surfer and you're trying to stay relevant, if you're not completely dominating in competition, then you better be lighting up the internet because those are the names that we see filling out this top 10 this year. So Mason Ho sitting in fourth is meaningful. Benji Brand sitting in sixth, Tom Curran in seventh, those are meaningful. And it's because they're uh, self-publishing they're promoting themselves. And so they will remain relevant to sponsors and earn a living off of surfing. And so for the competitive surfers who aren't, you know, in that top 10 conversation or top five conversation, they should be focusing energy on the internet.
1: Yeah, I'm going through some of these ones. It's kind of interesting. Um, but look, if you don't have a a stab premium thing now would be the time to get it. If you're interested in seeing where we're at with all of this um, as the results ran, and I think you gave them, do you want me to give them again? Sure. So, um, John Johnson first, Elo's in second, tied with Morgan Sibillic. There's a tie for third Gabe Medina, Mason Ho, Nat Young.
0: You're reading an outdated list. That's not um, up to them. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, this is day one results. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's all right I'll, though.
0: I'll, I'll um, so, the one final thought on this is Caitlin Simmers. uh, I think she's ranked third currently. She came out of nowhere this year and she's blowing up. She qualified for the tour. She was doing all the stab stuff, stab high and all that. And uh, I think she's a real threat on tour. So shout out to Caitlin and congrats on that.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. So um, regarding the Eddie and looking at swell potential for the Eddie... um, did you get some sort of? Are you getting some yellow light stuff from them? Or are you just no. wondering if there's anything? No, in there?
0: no, I just want to keep tabs on it regularly because they obviously did that opening ceremony and they said they're going to run this year if there's a potential swell. And I was like, dude, I'll believe it when I see it. Pulling that event together, I'll believe it when I see it. And so is there swell on the horizon?
1: Not a Y mass? swell, no, but there's some pretty solid swell.
0: Yeah, there's Come pipe man. swell. There's Hawaii. It looks good for the, uh, foreseeable future
1: yeah it does there's a lot of west swell coming in and it it does look good i'm going yeah what
0: uh did you see john john's waves at back door yesterday or two days ago
1: no are you seeing something
0: there was only i only saw the surf line angle of it i haven't seen like an actual professional photographer's angle but it's freaking unreal he gets this wave at back door He got two actually uh but one is like a double barrel that's just, it, it, it is a reminder that, I mean, honestly, it's my must-see moment. Um, whatever happens throughout the year is fine and dandy, but pipeline in the winter reigns supreme. It's unbelievably reliable, you know, and that it just is going to create the most dramatic moments and the most compelling and require the most skill as well. And so to see kind of Hawaii's crowned prince step up and so comfortably wear that crown just feels like everything's right
1: in the world. I love seeing it. Yeah. You know, um, I do too. And and you're right. You know, you mentioned two weeks ago, it's like pre-Christmas without pipeline seems wrong. (laughs) And it is, and it is. So next Tuesday, there's some potential for, um, large extra large west northwest swell um could even be stronger so we're looking at four to five times overhead 25 foot waves is that enough for the eddie people to pull the trigger i don't know um there's yeah yeah they're all kind of waiting to see how the thing performs Mm -hmm. but i mean hawaii right now six to eight epic to good 10 to 15 on thursday epic to good um, you know it's just there's why is the place to be yeah. if you're uh, trying to get some waves here this winter and, and hopefully some of that translates into California
0: yeah and I mentioned the backdoor shootout in previous last couple of years they have not been streaming that event live um, so there's no nothing to report there on where to watch it or if you'll be able to watch it but you'll see clips of it after the fact
2: free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Uh, Scott Bass, it is 2022. Do you have any predictions for this new year?
1: Yeah, you know, um, my prediction is I think we're going to be blown away by the women at pipeline in, in February. I do too. I think we're going to be, it's funny for years and years. We're like, the girls can't pipe. the girls. I mean, I was one of them. I'm like, Nope, they don't ever get time in the water there. I think the local guys, I think the girls have put in some time there. I think the local guys are behind it. You know, the Jamie O'Briens of the world are like, you can hear them talk positively about it. I think when the girls are out there, the local girls, they're getting their chance finally, you know? And, um, a lot of that is, I don't know why, to be honest with you. I'm just assuming that these guys all have girlfriends and wives and they're all having dinner and they're going, why aren't you getting the girl, the local cute little local girl, let her have some waves. He's like, you know what? I will. Again, that's a pretty huge assumption I'm just making there that that there's dinner conversation that's, that's driving this, but there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of, Coco Hoes and Michael Hoes, there's a lot of dudes with, there's a lot of female surfers on the North shore now. And it's just a matter of time. And the time is now.
0: So the names in that conversation, Moana Jones Wong uh, has proven herself out there. So she would need a wild card into the event. Um, Sage Erickson was working with, or not Sage, I'm sorry. Tatiana Weston Webb was working with Ross Williams last year at pipe specifically preparing because that event moved from Maui Uh, because of the shark attack to Pipeline. And so she was doing some like last minute studying and cramming with Ross out there, with Ross kind of blocking waves for her and stuff. So she would be a threat out there. Carissa Moore, of course, has been gotten barreled significantly at Backdoor and Pipe, and she's been working with Jamie O'Brien. So that would be a huge bet. And then I've got to say, Caitlin Simmers, she just released an edit and she got a couple of waves at Backdoor. They were good waves they weren't like big scary waves but they were good waves and she looked stable comfortable how, how confident 15.
1: oh my god and she's from hawaii
0: she's from ventura oh okay so she would i you know it's so easy each year to get so hyped and excited about these rookies and and then they inevitably get steamrolled by more seasoned competitors I still have high hopes for her. And I'm wondering if you can be young enough to where you're not actually steamrolled, where you're just so young, you don't know what you don't know. And you yes. just charge ahead because she could be that, that competitor.
1: Well, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about who the wild cards are because to me, that's sort of the yeah. key. I would love to find out who the female wild cards uh, are for the pipe event. And hopefully they're local girls. If it's know?
0: not yeah. Moana, then I don't have any clue who it would be. You know? Yeah
1: she's, and, and, she's and, the one. and Caitlin's on the tour, right? Yep. And, and they lose
0: secure Johnson just got on tour too. So she can right. do well there.
1: She's a Oliva lady, right? A yeah, girl, exactly. Woman, yeah. That's good. All right. Although, well, that's, that's one of my predictions. What about you?
0: Julian Wilson will be starting his own clothing brand.
1: <laughs> what are you going out on a limb there, bros? <laughs> I'm actually
0: not. There's, I have heard rumblings and I think, uh that this could be true and i think that he could be late to the game late to the party and in the way that uh john john came up and won a world title under his feet and john john came up and started a clothing brand i feel like julian it's just a little too too little too late but i expect julian look he's been sponsorless he hasn't so obviously he's off early he could have signed with any number of companies in this last eight months or a year, whatever it's been. Why hasn't he? It's because he's got something in the works. And I don't know what, it, what the focus of the clothing brand would be. I don't know what the name would be. I have a hard time imagining uh, Julian Wilson finding a very distinct brand in that space and successfully bringing it to market. I have low hopes that this actually becomes successful that is my <laughs> prediction
1: okay that's a pretty good one that's a pretty good one
0: like john john has a build, a brand already established that he can build a clothing brand on right yeah exactly like he's a sailor yeah he's a sailor he's a o- a waterman like and so expedition is the focus of that brand dane reynolds even You could argue he's got this kind of artistic, aesthetic thing. Him and Craig Anderson, so it's this punk rock thing. What is Julian's? Is Julian's going to be a yoga, like an athleisure brand? You know, general health and fitness.
1: That's that would be okay. I I mean, I'm not saying I'm buying into that, but that would make sense. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe that's what it is. Yeah, because I don't think I don't see it being like a straight surf brand. Cause what's the angle there? Is it punk rock? Is it being the best surfer of all time? No, Kelly's done that. Kelly's thing is sustainability. So he's got a little angle. I don't know what Julian's angle would be. So athleisure might be it.
1: All right. Well, that's, that's a pretty good one. My, my um, prediction for 2022 is that sadly, we're going to see um, a horrific foiling accident where somebody Um, sadly, loses their life, and um, there's going to be heightened exposure on safety regarding foiling. That is a very macabre prediction, Scott. (laughs) Thank you very much.
0: I agree with it, though. Uh, And I would go a step further and say, sure, foiling, but it could be big wave, it could be jet ski related, it could be wave pool related. You know, like there's surfing's more crowded now than it's ever been before. And so it's absolutely, there's higher risk this year than there's ever been before. And there's more chaos in the lineup. There's less etiquette in the lineup. And then you add foils, jet skis. I mean, the Gold Coast, we were saying Hawaii was going off. The Gold Coast has been absolutely going off this past week. And there's jet skis buzzing around the lineup. You know, it's like somebody's going to get hit by that thing.
1: Yeah, that's that doesn't we've spoken about it at length. It just doesn't make sense. I'm not sure how how the authorities let that happen, but they don't.
0: I mean, they find people, but people still do it.
1: I just saw a stand-up paddler at backdoor pipe catch a you know, an average set wave, maybe a six-foot wave, and get yeah. completely barreled and, and make come it. out.
0: Yeah. And that's sketchy too.
1: <laughs> Guy with a paddle in his hand just' so crazy.
0: <laughs> so my second and final prediction for 2022 is kai lenny doing mainstream television a la kelly slater and baywatch
1: really like a like he's going to be an actor
0: could be the bachelor doesn't need to be acting okay maybe it's the bachelor i have no idea actually he's got a kid on the way so it won't be the bachelor (laughs) um (laughs) i forgot about that uh but I do see a professional surfer this year, after coming off of the ultimate surfer, stuff like that, a professional surfer going back to mainstream television the way that Kelly did with Baywatch. But I'm making an additional prediction that that surfer will be Kai Lenny because of his fame with Mark Zuckerberg, his connection to Mark Zuckerberg, his general fame, all that stuff. Kai Lenny going mainstream.
1: If it wasn't Kai, who comes to mind? How about Koa Smith?
0: Yes and no. I mean, I could see an argument being made for Koa, but you could make that same argument for Luke Davis, you know, or somebody who's actually like make, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Kai's got all these big, you know, the Tag Hauer connection. And so he's more of a internet, like a, like a global star. It could be. No one knows Koa.
0: Right. It could be um, Laird Hamilton or that kid lucas padua who's hanging out with laird you know because they're just in that scene they're in Hol- malibu but they're inviting hollywood people over to the house and all
1: that sort of stuff so guess who it was i saw get piped on their stand-up paddleboard at the back door right just now dwayne DeSoto, Kai kyle lenny shut up i swear to god he's coming into the beach right now i'm looking at his board it's it's him hilarious that's the guy that just got a barrel instagram. i bet that
0: was strictly for an instagram clip or a youtube thing
1: You'll just like hey seen it.
0: yeah hey i'm gonna go out there on a you know something that people don't ride and do something gnarlier than everybody else
1: he just came in
0: and surprised you didn't come out and do an air reverse on that thing
1: when he was on the inside just kind of finishing his wave he was getting a little tricky
0: Uh there you go yep
1: cool well do you have any world title predictions for 2022 gosh Okay. A couple things. One is, you know, there could be a prediction that the world title that the world tour gets tweaked because of the COVID situation. Um, it's weird. Like the general vibe seems to be Omicron's not that bad. If you're vaccinated, you're good. You just get a little cold if you have a breakout thing. And so let's move on with our lives. And, and that would be great. I would love that. Um, But there's also, like, I guess this, I don't know what the word is, but I guess there's this thought that I have that there's a variant that's just kicking in right now somewhere in Africa where people aren't vaccinated, where it's just like, you know, the -hmm. virus is just mutating in some crazy way. And that's really all it takes for it to spread like wildfire and and it's some super strong crazy thing and we're back to square one with a really like a delta version but that's contagious like omicron
0: yeah um i think if they pulled it off last year they'll pull it off this year i think there is still uncertainty that you're talking about but not so much so that we go back to square one they might go back a step or two with lockdowns and protocols but i don't think it'll go back to square one
1: yeah but you're suggesting to me that there's not going to be so you're not so you don't think that they would just shut down Australia and not allow anyone in, well, in
0: what, what I'm suggesting is that the WSL will still crown uh, champ at the end of the year, so you're right, it might be a altered schedule, but I don't think that they'll cancel the tour completely
1: yeah, okay, so let's say we have a full tour, which I'm hoping we do, and everyone's hoping that we do. I sense that. Uh, the world champion this is kind of a long shot the world champion could be Jack Robinson wow
0: that is a I, long shot
1: well this is think about it this is why I'm, ba- I, I, I'm basing like this it. on pipe I like pumping. I'm basing it on sunset pumping comes out of that looking good uh, he then goes to Australia and we have big Margaret Raver right
0: which could run at North Point. Box
1: or North Point yeah right? or Box yeah then you know he's in a strong spot he gets a couple of fifths and ninths whatever then he goes to g land and it's pumping g land and he comes out of that with a third and um you know then I, do we go to J bay or no yeah yes so J bay's on the docket let's say he gets a third or a fifth you know i could see him stringing Chofu. together yeah chopu so i could see him stringing together you know thirds fifths a first a second a first yep. another third a fifth a ninth you know and boom, we've got a world title for Jack Rums. And this is all dependent on dream tour style waves.
0: Yeah, it's a great call. Um, He could absolutely do all of that. But the argument against it is right next to him at all of those venues is John John Florence, Gabriel Medina, and maybe even Idolo. I said it was a long shot. Aside from Sunset, because Jack is who I'd put my money on at Sunset.
1: It's a long shot, I, you know. I like it though. Obviously, it's bold. It's, there's five guys, you know. Maybe only four guys, yeah, that are, are going to win this thing.
0: It's bold. Um, I hope that that happens. By the way, I would love nothing more. I'm such a big fan, and watching him in Stab's latest, uh, The Pickup, episode three, they do a whole segment on Jack Robinson's waves that he got on his birthday, his 24th birthday, a couple, I guess, last week, and uh, pipe was pumping. And they show his whole session out there. And it's freaking unreal. It's a highlight reel. You know, backdoor, yeah. pipe. He's he's the real deal. So yeah. I would love to see that come to fruition. Um, my title prediction prior to, prior to you saying that is it'll be a three-way race. John John's back in shape. So, of course, Gabriel and then Edalo is the third person. And I am going to put my money on Edalo. In that exchange between those three. Um, for one specific reason, that could be entirely wrong, but it feels in the postseason since last year that Gabriel's interest in getting another world title has been a little bit diffused. He's talked about being exhausted from living the lifestyle that he's been living for over a decade. He's gaga over his wife. And I just see that diffused interest as hindering the spirit that's required to win a world title. So John John Florence coming back off of injury is a legitimate threat, and he'll be wanting to make up some of the ground that he lost to Gabriel Medina. But he's married as well. He has a clothing brand. I think that he has more going on than just wanting to win a world title. Idolo is the one guy who I see who has laser focus and he's posting so many gym selfies that you cannot deny his eight pack. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like he's unless less, in less narcissism uh, distracts from winning a world title, but I don't think it does. I think it actually supports it. Uh, I see him as being the guy who's like heat in heat out event in event out, regardless of coronavirus, regardless of what's going on at home, regardless, he's the guy.
1: Singularly focused is what I think. At of, least for course. this year. With Ilo and, and he was going to be my pick, be, before I threw out a long shot. And um, I'll say this: the edits that he's been putting out from that island off the east coast of Brazil—I don't know how to pronounce it—it's like Noronha or whatever. You know, yeah. to, isla de yeah, yeah. Noronha or what? I don't know. Yeah. Noronha, Noronha is an orange, yeah. but you know what I mean. Um, they're crazy. Like the edits that he's been putting out are full speed. Like, like the free surfing he's doing is is it's like on steroids. It's yeah. just crazy. The shitty like the 40 foot radical trans all all transitions hitting all everything smooth and, and and it's like Kai Lenny kind of level stuff where it's just like whoa 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 hold on man you're you're you know it's like
0: and it's why
1: Marzo on steroids basically. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so injury is the one thing that could actually uh thwart him but all of that cross training that I'm talking about and fitness will hopefully mitigate injury. Um, yeah, I agree with you about his clips that he's been dropping, and then the stuff from at home. I think Formosa, the little right hander. Yeah, he posted a clip the other day. Of, he burns a guy, just blatantly I saw burns that. a guy, I saw that. and then does a huge <laughs> backflip in front of him. You know, know. and you're just like, the backflip was so gnarly, and it's it is a clip that would break the internet. Except he does it every other day and so it it somehow just falls on deaf ears
1: yeah you know that's actually another interesting i don't know if it's a um prediction for 2022 but it will be interesting to see and you're you're sort of the um you're really the poster child for for commenting about how the judges expect things from certain guys and they don't expect things from other guys and so that they get pushed up and you're like he does that all the time that's a six and then you know Owen Wright does it you're like oh my god 9.8 totally and it's not even as good as yeah and and so my prediction and or hope is that um, there's some level of evening out of the acrobatic um, uh, you know judging that takes you know how they judge the acrobats how they judge the aerials how they uh, for each guy so that there's a little bit more um, objectivity let's see what happens there
0: I, I have the same hope. I don't know that it's even doable. I think it might just be a futile attempt in surfing. because well, It's almost you,
1: subconscious, right? Like, it is. I mean, totally. you and I do it. We're like, oh, yeah, Eli, what did you expect? Of course he, he did that. Totally. You know?
0: I mean, and, and beyond. You know, way
1: Carmichael, I don't think he's going to do that. And when he does, you're like, oh, my God, that's a 20.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and beyond it operating in your subconscious, we all have favorite surfers. Those judges love surfing, and they came up with favorites. And how does that not affect your judging? It would be impossible to divorce yourself from that. You know, you see your favorite paddling out. It's like, what are you gonna do?
1: You know, it's interesting. You often hear commentators, um, the ones that have the chatzpa, to, to make these kind of calls when they see a wave. They'll be like, oh my god! Well, he did that, and to my mind, because he did that extra thing there, and and the power and the flow and everything that went down, that should be an eight point five. Ross Williams is like this. Barton Lynch is like this. Why not make these guys the judges, for God's sakes? I know that Ross was a conflict of interest, of course, but you know, you just mentioned. Look, the judges themselves have their favorite surfers, and of course, it's probably not as deep as the conflict of interest with Ross Williams, who's a, who's a coach. But yeah, I mean, I think Barton Lynch would be a great judge. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah. like. Yeah, it okay. would be. It's just, he's also a great commentator and that's probably a harder to find and train somebody for commentating.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Question prediction, if you will, does Kelly Slater make the cutoff mid mid season cutoff?
0: Great question.
1: We got pipe. We got sunset. We go to Australia. He might not even go to Australia. Although you mentioned that they are this, the country seemingly kind of liberating and opening their their borders Man, to travelers this is a tough prediction to make where else do we go early in the season like do we go to brazil before not, the up not,
0: not early in the season um, i'm looking it up as quickly as i can
1: yeah i have it here too okay
0: pipe hold on it's showing all the tours okay pipe sunset portugal Bells, Margaret, and I think that's the cutoff.
1: It is. Um, So Kelly can go to Portugal or can he he, without a –
0: I think so, yes. So he can do good at Pipe. I don't think he'll do great at sunset. He'll go to Portugal, let's say. He's not like a real contender there either. So let's say he finishes 17th or 9th there. Uh, Bells, he could win in theory, although he hasn't really placed well in recent years. Margaret River, I don't view him as a threat there. So, yeah, a couple of like maybe quarterfinal finishes and then a couple of lower finishes, like no. a
1: third at pipe and then a bunch of ninths and then a you know, equals whatever it is, 17th or 15th or whatever. And
0: if I'd bet money, I'd bet against him.
1: I think it's a pretty interesting con, you know, bet, really.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and then let me throw out another, another one for you, which, because I sense that there's going to be somebody that we don't expect that's like oh, yeah. on the bubble for the cut. And you're like, what? For sure. How, how's he on that? And so, of the, say, the top 10, who, who's the guy that you're like, oh, like, I, like, Felipe. pardon me. Okay. That's a good one. Right. We talked about that. That could be one for sure.
0: Felipe. And gay. Coming. No, Gabe won it. Well,
1: you just mentioned that there's all this, you know. But he'd like, do well at Pipe.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I see Felipe coming out of Hawaii with bad results and his confidence shook. Yeah. And so then, how do you recover that in the back half? And I could see uh, Kanoa?
1: Kolo- no, Kanoa? Kanoa? Kanoa's consistent. is too much of a competitor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kaloe, I mean, Kaloe could be a wild card. Um. But then the thing is, there's also so much new good talent. So if Felipe comes out of Hawaii shook, and then there's a couple of young guys who did well in Hawaii, um, you know, Carlos Munoz has actually done well in Hawaii before. He's gotten yep. tens at pipe. He's
1: tons of experience. He probably yeah. has 15 years of experience there, maybe more.
0: Totally, he's finaled at the the Volcom event there and stuff. So. If Felipe then finds himself in the back half being seated against the John-John and Gabriel and all that kind of stuff going into Portugal, it could really, yeah, that could throw a spanner in the works for sure.
1: A spanner?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Him and Kelly vying it out for okay, qualification. So for the Kelly cut and Felipe
1: maybe not making the cut. Those are bold predictions.
0: You heard it here first.
1: Kelly not so much as Felipe is kind of a crazy bold one
0: um kind of moving on from that stab is doing this 50 days of kelly which is i don't know what <laughs> what
1: 50 years know. no it's 50 years of kelly
0: yeah and each day they're doing a oh. particular story so they get they get like a photo from some of them are like deep in the archives some of them are recent and yeah. then they get the photographer to share their story about kelly yeah. they're doing this for 50 for 50 days straight. I think they're on day 12 or something, Yeah. but they put out a casting call. They said, you know, <laughs> do you have a Kelly story? Reach out to us and we might actually publish it. Uh, essentially, they're, I think they're running short on whether they're gonna hit their 50 target or not. So they're asking the audience, but I think it's a great idea because a lot of random people probably do have great stories of encountering Kelly in the water somewhere. So my question to you, Scott, is do you have a Kelly story?
1: uh i mean i don't have a great one I, I i've only the only story i have about kelly is you mean that involves me
0: i don't know just have you encountered him and has yeah are we, there I, any interesting? Di-
1: I, I one year in hawaii he he had dinner with the, like evan slater invited him to have dinner with the surfer staff at Holiva joe's and i sat next to kelly and we had dinner and I was just more a fanboy starstruck I don't even think I said anything to him I might have said one thing but I just sat there and listened I just I just gobbled it all up because it was kind of like Kelly's table you know like it was all the surfer staffer Evan and you know all of the guy, you know whoever was there surveying I forget who was there Jake Howard and me and blah 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 but Evan had invited him and so Kelly sat next to me and it was just fun that's cool Uh, you know yeah that's I don't have much other than and I've interviewed him a few times on my radio and podcasts and stuff. But, um, uh, I don't, I don't have a great Kelly story now.
0: If you had to pick between a session at, or let's say a day at surf ranch or 18 holes at Torrey pines with him. So 18 holes at Torrey pines with Kelly or a day at surf ranch with Kelly. What would you pick?
1: Surf ranch. Yeah. Cause I'm a surfer who golfs. I'm not a golfer who surfs. Good answer. <laughs> you don't expect nothing less this looks really cool though i hadn't seen this and i'm just checking it out and um it it looks pretty cool like i love that like they got mez you know they got got dick meserall and they got all these photographer types and
0: uh, yeah i'm cool. i'm already over it to be honest oh, really? <laughs> like, okay couple, well i'm just a couple days about. into it i was like oh this is kind of interesting day 12 i'm like i don't care anymore um
1: yeah maybe they're not that so they're doing one day for every year because he's turning 50 or something
0: yeah i think something like that yeah um do you remember we have dave dave prodan on this show five or six years ago and he told us that kelly slater listens to the pod to this podcast
1: oh i find that hard to believe Maybe. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember Dave saying that, but
0: Dave mentioned it kind of in passing, like, like some comment was made and you go, yeah, well, maybe Kelly Slater will listen to this. And then Dave, like in complete seriousness was like, no, Kelly listens. And we were like, yeah, whatever. Like, and he goes, no, no, no. Like, I'll tell you, Kelly listens to the podcast. He and I have talked about it. And I was, that was a um, highlight moment for me. I was like, oh shoot, maybe that should, might have. Maybe back we then, be a maybe. little bit more considerate. There's
1: so much stuff, and he has such a wide variety of interests that I'm sure that occasionally he'll like. Maybe he'll listen if he's bored and he's on oh, a I don't flight think, or something. Yeah, I don't
0: think he's like a passionate.
1: No, you know, he's not listener. sending in donations to no. us like our like like our great listeners.
0: No, no, no. But, but um, I still, yeah. at that moment, I was like, oh man, I need to really be more thoughtful with my criticisms and well, you, assessments.
1: I think that that's the case for everybody we talk about. I often find myself cringing going, you know what? That I Maybe I was too, like, I, I don't want to be a dick to people on this show, no, you know? Like no. I don't, and I know you don't either, but we also, it's our job to be, to tell our opinions, you know, and they are just that. They're worthless opinions and they're not, you know, they don't hold too much. You know, we're not out to to be mean, you know? Like we're out to be, hopefully, you know, like, spirited and engaging and and some provocative thoughts maybe, but certainly I certainly don't want to be mean-spirited. Then. I don't want
0: to be mean-spirited and I'm actually not mean-spirited exactly. in, my na- in my nature, yeah. but what I do want to be on the show is honest. Yes. And, and so learning how to be critical, honest, and allow yourself to be critical without being mean-spirited or a dick has been a learning curve for me. And I think I've figured it out for the most part. And I can navigate that pretty successfully for the last couple of years, maybe not successfully early on. Um, But I think the latest development for me as a podcaster in the last year or two has been, I don't care if Kelly thinks I'm a dick. You know, like I feel comfortable now being critical of people that I once venerated and maybe would have held back criticism about. Now it's like, I don't need to be best friends with Kelly ever. And so if there's something critical that I want to say about him, I'm fully comfortable saying it. Or there was a time where I thought maybe big brands would sponsor us. So let's be nice about them or let's be friends with the WSL because there's opportunity to work together there. All of that is out the window at this point. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like I'd rather be critical uh, honestly about the things that we're experiencing. Yeah, for sure. and And the business model is, we don't need their funding anyways. Like let fans give us 5 bucks a month and they can fund us and then we can be honest and critical.
1: And and, uh, and I don't think we have any lack of that either. I mean, you and I generally I I am more or less feel like I'm just having a conversation yeah. with you and oh yeah, by the way, somebody might be listening to us. Oh shit. <laughs>
0: exactly, which is why when Dave said that that one time, I was like, "Oh shoot, I got to run a new filter through everything I say." No worries. Um, well, one I'll give you one quick Kelly story. Um, yeah. I was it was before I even had my license. So I was not even 16 years old and my parents would drop me off at the beach, usually Huntington or Newport. And so my older brother got assigned to pick me up on this particular day. And I surfed, it was in the summertime. I surfed all day Southside Huntington and I'm like sitting on the curb. I think it was before Duke's was that restaurant was even there, but there was still like a little turnaround thing that parents Mm -hmm. could pick up their kids at. So I'm like sitting on the curb, like with my backpack on, completely exhausted and fried right before the sun went down, waiting for my older brother to come pick me up. And into the parking lot in a rental car, like a Honda Civic or something, Kelly Slater pulls in with his girlfriend. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's Kelly. I think it was US Open was in town. So I'm like, that's Kelly Slater. And he gets out and he starts changing to go surfing right before dark. And my brother pulls up to pick me up and I'm like, Eric, go do another lap. I'm staying here. (laughs) I just want to survey everything that Kelly does. You know, like I had no ambitions to like start a conversation with him. I wasn't going to walk over and like geek out. I was just, I wanted to see like, how does he put on his wetsuit? What does he do with his wax? What does he do with his board? What does he do? You know? And my brother was like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, seriously, go do a lap and then come back in five minutes because I just have to be here. And so sure enough, I was positioned, there was a stairwell at the time too that you had to walk down. So Kelly had to walk past me to go down those stairs to go surf. And when he walked by, I mustered up the courage and I was like, "Uh, hey, Kelly. You know, my voice probably cracked or something. And he was was polite and said- Hey, what's up, or something like that. And but he just kept his beeline, like he didn't want to stop and have a conversation. He just wanted to get past because he probably had so many fans. Well, plus it started getting
1: dark. He's only got 20 minutes.
0: Totally. So he just kept his head down. He's like, hey, what's up? And he just kept going. Yeah. But but that was the highlight. I lived on that high for weeks. I went back to high (laughs) school, told my friends every little detail of that story. Yeah. And I saw him catch a wave or two also. Like, I don't know if my brother, what happened, but. It was long enough to where I saw him rip a left into the pier, and I was like, dang, that was sweet.
1: So I just got a text from Randy Rarick, and he's like, there's 50 young pros out here at Sunset all trying to get their triple crown wave for Vans, you know? Totally. He, he sent me pictures. I'm going through them right now. I don't know who these guys. are. Tell Randy to get out there. Oh, he'll get out there, believe me. That guy catches – he gets his – he gets his waves.
0: Um, all right, well, you got a musty see moment, Duke cook, anything like that?
1: Well, yeah, my my see moment is um, – you know this Cousteau documentary oh, yeah. because I think it's really important, um, regarding you know our oceans, you know, yeah, um, I, I do too, yeah, and so I'll let that speak for itself, and then, um, yeah, my I don't know if I have a Duke or a Kook, other than I think my Duke Konamoku is shuken for generously sending me this cool book on, um. I had it all the time, so I'm looking forward to reading this. And thank you, Shira. You and I—here's the nice. deal:
0: you and I do have it all the time. Uh, the family that you are the patriarch of and that you raised is the dream sitch for so many people. Your home, the location of your home—you know, your kids going to college, the mouth that you get to surf—all of that stuff, you have it all the time.
1: You know, absolutely, and I do too. And, and gratitude in the morning. Is what helps me realize that, you know. So there's some moments of gratitude that when that yeah. happens, usually there's there's me acknowledging that I do have it all the time. So yeah, th- thanks for bringing that up.
0: My musty moment is John John's backdoor bomb. Look at it on Surfline's uh Instagram feed, and then Stab actually reposted Surfline Cam's footage of it. It's just unreal. My Duke, this is coming out of left field, but you'll mm. understand. Mm. Do you know where Alex Gray spent quarantine eight months of quarantine
1: i i have heard a lot of interesting things about alex gray in the last month and what'd you hear (laughs) i heard that he's living large and he he makes wingnuts gig look like small potatoes i heard i don't know who it is but he's got he's he's got some big celebs paying him big money to go surfing with him and it's somewhere like probably like the caribbean or monaco or somewhere gnarly which celebs um i was told the celebs but i can't really remember like but it it was like it was like a-list like kanye type like way up there like like big time a-list Peak of the moment, cult pop culturally wise. It's like whoever's the hottest shit right now today, Alex Gray's like their surf guide. Yeah. And he's killing it. He's like making like five grand a day or something.
0: So Alex, uh, I just recorded a podcast with him. I'll publish it this week. Um he spent eight months of quarantine on Fiji.
1: That's it. Okay. How's and that? Was, and was he with like Kanye or somebody like that?
0: No. Uh, better but, much
1: better much better than. Thomas. he
0: was only he was the only professional surfer there he yeah. got in kind of in this crazy moment got to fiji and then they locked everything down and the a, a couple of other um he was the only pro surfer but like people yachted in or sailed in so there was a couple of boats anchored off the island but for all intents and purposes Alex Gray was the really only legitimate surfer surfing Cloud Break for eight months. Yeah. And he's fully capable of handling it on its oh, yeah. kind of biggest days. Oh, yeah. And he got it in every shape, size. And I mean, he showed me photos, gym selfies from the day he landed there. You know, he's a fit professional yeah. surfer until the day he left. He looks like a freaking um, Adonis. Yeah. Like, not And he realized early into the trip, if I'm going to surf when the waves are good, it could be eight hours a day. And I can't do that if I'm not fit. And so in addition to surfing, as often as he was, he was hitting the gym and had a regimen for an hour or two a day, ice baths, you know, the whole nine, but then it would get, you know, you'd have a week of no waves or wind or whatever. So then he just double down in the gym on those days. The guy is hulking. Like so shredded, renewed uh, lease on life, like completely altered perspective for the rest of his life. And surfing, of course, the best wave in the world by himself, ad nauseum.
1: Do you remember uh, Surfer Magazine online? We did a thing where we took a a group of surfers down Baja and those new Honda Element cars. Yeah, yeah. And Alex Gray was on that trip and he was a, just a classic guy just just the way he is probably right now he's just a really sweet guy and he was charging you know and i remember one of the um the purpose of this trip was to raise awareness for the honda element of course but along the way we had these like things that they the surfers had to do be side surfing to gain points kind of like a reality show
0: yeah
1: and one of the things was when we were in rosarito was ride a donkey like just like <laughs> a random one no it was donkey races i think it was what it was oh okay we got these donkeys we like rented these donkeys and alex gray man that guy was fully involved he just got on the thing and just absolutely charged like with this you know like just being alex gray you know just ripping it up you know like everyone else was like okay hanging on and going you know i think greg uh yeah greg was on that trip greg um long yeah. Thank you. Very anyway, uh, Alex, great classic. Now, who are the who's the isn't it? Some like a family. You don't have to tell me the name on the air, but we did not
0: actually have that discussion, so I'm not sure who it is.
1: Yeah, I but he that.
0: did say one of those guys that um, sailed in and had a sailboat docked. And he was a pretty average surfer at the beginning of that stay. But he did hire Alex to do coaching sessions, and he said they did 80 sessions together. And this guy, his whole goal was to get barreled. And so Alex tells the story of this guy's first barrel. And it's freaking insane. It's such a rad story considering where this guy started. And again, he's surfing cloud break. You know, it's so you can get barreled there, but it's also a challenging wave. And so, yeah. And so if you're starting out as a surfer, he wasn't a beginner, like an absolute beginner, but he was a novice surfer, you know, surfing cloud break having Alex train him through 80 sessions and then going out on a day that's six to eight feet and actually getting a proper barrel. It's insane. And I've seen the footage of the barrel because they, uh, his, that guy's girlfriend was running a drone. So she, she actually got his first barrel ever on camera and it's an epic story an epic,
1: epic barrel. So that's cool. That's great. Good for all of them. That's i like to hear that. Yeah. I'm stoked for Alex. Alright, well, I, I was wondering what happened, Alex Gray. He kind of disappeared. And he did actually yeah. disappear. He actually yeah. disappeared. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, look, until next time, next week, actually. Uh, adios and aloha. The
3: warmth of your love like the warmth from the sun. And this will be our yet a long time to come. Don't let go of my hand. Now the darkness has gone This will be our year It took a long time to come And I won't forget The way you helped me up When I was done And I won't forget The way you said "Darling." to